the Dead Pair Podcast is brought to you by the Elite Experience Elite Shotguns and is fueled by Fioki. Oh. Welcome to the Dead Pair Podcast, coming in hot with everything you want to hear about sporting clays. Guy Fieri. How are you, gentlemen? Thanks for having me. Anthony Matteris Jr., how you doing tonight? I'm doing pretty well. Welcome back, David Radulovic. That's a net positive. Brad <laughs> Kidd. Corey Cruz. Thank you for joining us this evening. Now I feel awkward. With your hosts, Jason Rambo. One more Red Bull for you. And Sean Alley. Woo, yeah! Christmas. Let's do it. Often imitated, but never duplicated. It's the Dead Pair Podcast. Dead and now, it's showtime. Well, hello, Mr. Remote Sean Alley. What's up, buddy? Hey, buddy. I'm doing good. It's kind of weird. I'm seeing how the shoe fits on the other foot, so to speak. <laughs> well, um, tell everybody where you're at and why you're not in studio with us. Well, as of the night that we're recording this, uh, this is the day after my wife had her brain surgery. Um, for those of you who didn't know, this is something that's been going on for a while. And uh, we finally were able to get her in here up at the Cleveland Clinic to get that addressed. Um, she had her surgery yesterday, and I saw her today for most of the day. She's still pretty much out of it, but everything's looking good. Doctors are happy with what they did. Um, we've got a lot of support on social media, Facebook, a lot of texts, a lot of emails. Uh, people asking how she's doing and she's doing great. Um, going to need a few more days to recover. Hopefully we'll have her home in the next few days and then, uh, things will continue to improve as the, as the weeks go forward. Well, you know what? I, I'm very thankful that prayers were answered. Uh, and I think I speak for a lot of people. Um, the shooting community has reached out on social media. It's been, I'm sure it's been kind of overwhelming, huh? It really has. I mean, obviously I was, you know, I was expecting responses from our family and friends, but, um, you know, it just goes to show you how great the sport is and how fantastic the people are that participate in it. I've gotten dozens of texts, dozens of emails, dozens of messages, uh, from all kinds of different shooters, you know, wishing us the best praying for us. And, uh, and that is, that means so much. It's a, it's a huge uplifting boost to the morale, especially when you're sitting in a waiting room for hours and you don't know what's going on. Um, so again, a great thing to be a part of this community. I say it time and time again, some of the best people, um, in my mind participate in this sport and I'm thankful for each and every one of them. Yeah. I mean, I was, they were even calling and texting me because, you know, obviously wanting to show respect for your privacy and, you know, they were asking me and I'm like, you know, basically I know what he's got out there, but, uh, yeah. After the conversation with you today, uh, I have talked to a few more people that have called and text, and they're they're very happy, you know, very excited for you and Steph that she's, you know, had a successful surgery. Um, I think the biggest thing here to take away, Sean, is that everybody's shocked that you didn't need brain surgery before she did. Well, so, I still might. You know, my, so we're not right. going to take that off the table as of yet, and, uh, you know, we'll see how things go, but... Uh, No, in all seriousness, uh, hopefully this will lead to a better quality of life for her. She's been suffering with uh, dizzying spells and headaches and losing her balance. And, you know, it took uh, about five years to kind of figure out what actually was going on. And what she has is called Chiari. Um, You guys can look that up. It's kind of a weird and rare syndrome that typically you're born with and most of the time affects kids. So it's very rare to have an adult deal with it. It's, it's, I mean, it happens, but it's like one in 50,000 or one in a hundred thousand, something pretty like, pretty much like that. So um, again, if you want to learn more about it, you can look it up, but it's, it's not a good thing. And uh, 
involves a little bit of brain surgery, had to remove a portion of her skull, a portion of her uh, C1 vertebrae. Um, but like I said, everything went according to plan. The doctor was pleased with it. He was, he's probably one of the best uh, surgeons for this uh, in the world. He uh, just got back from Dubai a few weeks ago. So he's in demand all over. So I'm very, just very thankful that he was here at the Cleveland clinic and being in Columbus, it's only a two and a half hour drive from our home. Uh, glad I didn't have to fly all over the country to get this taken care of. And, you know, so yeah. thankful for how it all worked out in the end. Yeah, for sure. Well, like I said, prayers answered and she's got a long road to recovery. So I'll try to take it, you know, easy on you to lighten her stress load. Um, and I'm, <laughs> I'm making, sure she'd appreciate it, that. Yeah. And I'm making light of this now because we can, you know, we know yes. that we're out of the woods, so to speak. Uh, it's, yep. it's still going to yep. be a long road, but, uh, you know, Hey, hats off to her. She's a tough girl and, um, she deserves a better quality of life than what she's dealt with. That's for sure. So 100% buddy. And I appreciate it. And I appreciate, again, I appreciate you appreciate everybody in the community that's, uh, that's reached out to us. And again, all the prayers and the, warm thoughts and, 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 uh, hope that it's brought has been, uh, it's just been overwhelming. So yeah. it's been awesome. And, uh, I'm, we're really thankful for it. Well, she'll be ready to go back to Florida in no time. I can tell you that right now. So I'm sure yeah, and, that, uh, I have no doubt. Speaking of wives ready to go back to Florida, you know, I, I don't say it often enough. I have to say a very big thank you to my wife, Julie, who edits all these podcasts. She is an absolute vital part of this podcast and we do not thank her near enough. I know she's kind of in the background and, you know, we don't hear from her when, and people don't see her all the time. And and I take for, I take it for granted the work she does on this podcast because well, she's my wife. Yes. Hey, hats off to Julie. Thank you, babe. I love you. And thank you very much for all your hard work. So. Yeah, and that goes for me too, Jules. You're you're definitely an integral part of this whole operation. And thank you, thank you, thank you. Well, hey, um, moving on to the show, Sean. Uh, we don't have attorney talk this week. Um, Casey hasn't sent me any updates yet, so nothing's released yet. But I did see that the the dates for Jack Links are now posted for 2024. Um, but we'll wait to announce when that's going to open on score chaser. As soon as we hear from Casey, um, yep. we are talking being downclassed. Now, Sean, you were recently downclassed from master to double a, and I don't want you to go too deep into this. Cause I got a lot of questions for you throughout the show. Uh, we're going to have, uh, miss Melanie Parker and Mr. Paul Prucka on who have been back and forth from master's class to double a several times. Yes. And I think, some of what they have said previously was part of your decision to go ahead and stay in double A. Is that right, Sean? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's definitely a personal decision. Um, as we all know, there's a lot of guys that continue to compete in master class. Um, and again, it could be a pride thing. It could be an ego thing. It could be like, Hey, I made my way here. So why do I want to go back down? Uh, and there's that viewpoint. And then there's other factors involved, which come into play for me. And that's why I made my decision, but we can obviously, go into that a little bit more detail when we get Melanie and uh, Paul on the phone. Right. Well, Hey, you know what? Let's just go ahead and get them on the phone. Cause I don't want to get too far ahead in the conversation here without them. So, all right, cool. Buddy. Uh, let me, uh, give me one second here and I'll add them in. The dead all right. This has absolutely put me in a weird feeling because I'm on the phone with my co-host <laughs> as uh -huh. well as well as our two guests, Miss Melanie Parker. Melanie, how are you? I'm well. How about you? I'm doing fantastic. Thank you. And we also have Mr. Paul Pruck on the phone. Paul, how are you doing this evening? Doing well. Well, all right. How's let everybody else doing tonight? 
Doing great. Doing great. Well, let me let me start off with this. Um, I'm sure for all of you, it was a huge accomplishment to even make it to masterclass. Um, you know, and it's probably somewhat of an honor too. But uh, Melanie, let's start with you. When you first got to masterclass, you know, was it like, all right, I made it, or was it like, uh oh? <laughs> well, the first time was like, all right, I made it. But as you know, I, I subsequently took the down class. Uh, the next year because I just didn't feel like I was competitive or ready for master class. What about you, Paul? When you first made it in, were you excited or was it kind of an uh-oh feeling? Oh yeah, the first time getting in, it was a great feeling. It was like, wow, I I made it with made it to the big time. You know, all the hard work paid off. But then, as everybody says, once you get there, then the real work begins. You right. know, right. Well, what about you, Sean? I mean, I know we were all pretty excited for you around here, but how did you actually feel about it when you made it? Well, it, like both Paul and Melanie said, I mean, it's definitely an accomplishment. And ever since we started shooting competitively, you know, that was kind of the pinnacle, right? That was the goal is to make it to master class because we started off down E class back in 2017. And, uh, you know, it's quite the journey to go through and chase all the punches and go class to class to class. And then obviously the ultimate payoff is to get the master class and so i was very 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 excited about it right well paul once you got there and you went to your very next tournament your very first tournament as master is that when it really set in like you're at the top now yeah definitely you know you you look up to all the shooters that are in that top class when you're moving up through the classes and never really thinking that you're going to get there but when you do get there it's like well, now I'm part of this elite group and it's pretty humbling when you get there for sure, because most of the time for common shooters like myself, you know, if we have a, an outstanding day, it, you may get middle of your pack in master class. You think you had a great day, but in master class, all the stars need to align as you guys know, Right. you know, to stand out in that class. So, right. Definitely a different world, you know. Well, Miss Melanie, is that when it kind of set in for you? Like your first tournament is is a master class shooter. Um, were you kind of looking around, going, "Man, I got to beat all these big names"? Well, no, not really. Of course, I've been fortunate enough, uh, fortunate in my career to shoot with a lot of great master class shooters. So I knew what I was up against, and it wasn't that I didn't think I could compete with them because I. At that time, I did think that I could compete with them. At the time, we had our farm and we were practicing, you know, every week and things like that. So at the time, I I felt like, okay, I'm here and I'm going to work really hard and I'm going to get to the top. But um, we eventually sold the farm and the practice kind of went beside the wayside. and, and, um, And so that's when you know, I decided that I would take the down class when it was offered to me. Right. Well, Sean, I want to start with you on this next one because you know how strongly I feel about moving to master class. So you're going to understand the angle I'm trying to come at with this question. I think if memory serves me correct, uh, your first tournament in masters was uh, the FETASC 150s 200 sporting and Eagles nest. Now that's a local event. But what was your thoughts going into that event, knowing that an HOA is the only win for you? Um, looking back on, I'm trying to remember, I think for the most part, obviously I was excited to be there. 
Um, I knew that I was now at the next level and going to be competing with a lot of the local master class guys that, you know, I knew who they were. I knew who the, the top shooters were. Um, but, you know, the other side of the coin is it was like, well, I, I don't really know how I'm going to do today. I think that it added some pressure. It added some stress uh, because it's like, hey, I'm master class. I'm supposed to know what I'm doing, and, you know, blah, 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 blah. But uh, it was it was definitely an eye opening experience. And there was probably a little bit of mental head games going on. Uh, but after talking to several other master class shooters at the end of that day uh, who had been in masters, they all kind of said the same thing. And they said, look, when you jump to masters, it's a big jump. And it seemed like all of them said the same thing where the first you know, few months or maybe even the first year that they were in master class, they almost went backwards because they were probably putting too much thought into it. It's just, and honestly, it's just another class, but I think it just, because it's such a pinnacle, because it's such an accomplishment to get there you build it up in your mind as being this thing, this big thing that it really isn't. So with that said, I mean, yeah, it definitely messed with me mentally for a while. And then finally I got comfortable and shot better. So Miss Melanie, what about you? Do you remember your first tournament in masters? Uh, no, I really don't remember the first tournament. Um, it's been a minute because (laughs) it's probably been, five years ago maybe that i punched in a master class for the first time and and it may have been even a little before then well how many times uh, miss melanie if you don't mind my asking how many times have you been back and forth between the two do you remember i think it's four wow because because we live in the south and we get to shoot a lot in january february march you know because we have so many big shoots in that arena when I did go back to double A and I, I've always felt like I was competitive in double A. Um, I quickly got punches simply because of the, the magnitude of the shooting, the shoots that I was attending. Right. So it was easy. Um, back then I think you had to get 16 and now you have to get 20, but back then it was easy to get 10 or 12 in one shoot. So most of the time, by June, I would have punched back into master class. Oh my goodness! Because I was, you know, competitive in double A. Right. But if you look, if you look at my average, my average is nowhere near a master class shooter. Right. Uh, and it was simply because I was attending big shoots and doing well in fee task, and even back then it was sub gauge. You know, before they changed that class and and things like that. So it was easy, like I said, to get 10 or 12 punches. And then I would, then I would be punched right back up. Now, did, did that make me competitive in a master class level? No, it did not because my average was still the same. I was not going anywhere. I was only gathering punches. Gotcha. Uh, Yeah. That's kind of the debacle I see. And we're going to dive into that here in a second. Um, what about you, Paul? First of all, let's start off with how many times have you been back and forth between Masters and AA? This is my second time back into Master. Okay. Um, first time was 2018, I think, 18 or 19, something like that. Was in it a year, um, bounced back to AA, and then I think within about, I don't know, six or eight months, I was right back in Master again. Um, and then I've been in there since, but you know, it, 
I don't know, for myself, I feel like when I'm in double A, um, I don't know if my focus is stronger in double A or I just, I know that I can compete as Melanie was said, I, I feel more competitive in double A. So I, I don't know if I put subconsciously put more work into it to shoot better. I know when I'm in master class, I know that that what's going to win in double A might get you in the middle of the pack and master. Right. I, you know, I don't know if I know that in the back of my mind. I, I don't think that obviously, but I know when I'm in that double A, I definitely work harder shooting than I do in master class. If that makes sense to you. Yeah, no, absolutely. It does because, and it's funny you say that because I've been paying close attention to scores over the last year and every single tournament that I'm in, I'll go and look what's winning my class, which is double A. And then I go up and look at masters where that would put them. And it's most of the time it's mid pack. I mean, every once in a while you get somebody that rips off a big one in double A and it, it might make top five in masters. But for the most part, a winning score in double A is a mid pack master score. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. Sean, okay. So moving on from that first tournament. Now, I know you had a little bit of a bump last summer because in July you went down to the Indiana State and you won the, the five stand against some pretty well named shooters. Uh, in this country in master class. So did you feel like, okay, maybe I do belong here or was it more of a, I just can't put the time in that it takes to be up here. So basically I, I look at it like this. Uh, like Miss Melanie said, I went to a big shoot and I did well. So I earned four punches for taking first place in that event, which definitely helped me. I also did pretty good fee task, uh, super sporting five stand, then fee task. And then the first part of the main all on Saturday. So I shot four events on Saturday and I was just cooked and the heat was bad. It was probably high eighties, high humidity there. Um, definitely was wore out by the end of that day, but I had a really good day. Um, and it definitely gave me the confidence to say, okay, I can be competitive. Um, but again, I look at it as I had a good day. You know, I, I, I put it all together made it work that day. And it's just hard to, as we all know, to accomplish that at every shoot you go to, you know, at at the end of the day, just to summarize, when I got bumped down, I think the minimum requirements for master class, you have to have seven punches and above a 600 average for not, for you not to be downclassed from, from a master class. If I'm not mistaken, I had six punches. So I was one punch short and I had like a 642 average. So I was right there. You know what I mean? I was right there and I could definitely argue with myself and I did. It's like, well, you know, you're right there. You're right on the cusp of it where you would automatically stand. I've realized that, you know, it's it's definitely an honor to be a master class. But if you're going to be realistic with yourself, you really want you better want to be there and you better be willing to put the work in there because it's a big difference between, like you've said many times, Jason, a guy that competes in his state as a master class and he's always in the top five. Right. He's everybody knows he's fat and he could win it at any time. But the realization is typically that same guy goes to a big event like a regional or a Jack Links or a national event. Right. And they're they're halfway down the list. They're not competitive against the talent that's all across the country. Right. And that's kind of like the hard thing for a master class shooter. You really have to want to be there and and just feel like you're just donating because most of us aren't competitive with the big shooters when it comes time to go to a big shoot. 
Right. So, okay, let me, a question for all of you. Um, when you got bumped back down to double A, was the goal or the plan to get back up there? Did you feel like you let yourself down or what, what was the thought process? Paul, let's start with you. Uh, you know, I didn't really have a thought about that. Wasn't my drive to get right back to master. Um, but it, it fell right into place, you know, whether I, whether I was chasing it or not, it just seemed like I was finishing well in double A and most all the tournaments. Uh, we went to a few bigger shoots and I gathered punches pretty much every one that we went to. And, you know, like I said, within six months, I was right back in it without, you know, it wasn't like I was, you know, going to every major shoot I could find to get back. I didn't really do that, but it did. It came back rather quick. Right. Um, and, you know, it, it, it was another accomplishment to get there. You know, it was almost like, um, you know, I, I made it again, you know? Right. So. Um, what about you, Miss Melanie? Is it, is it always the goal to get back up there? Um, or was it when it first happened or what's now that it's happened a few times, what's, what is your goal? Is it, do I want to be a master's or are you just like satisfied where you're at? Honestly, I'm just pretty comfortable where I'm at. Um, you know, in, in my mind, I'm never going to be competitive against, uh, Zach or Todd or, you know, even, even some of the girls that are at the top, Karen, um, Shelby, Desi, all those, all those girls who shoot for a living. Right. And I'm, and, and there's no ill will there. I mean, I keep it in perspective. And for 99.5% of us, it's a hobby. Right. And it, it needs to be addressed as such. So if and when in the future I get back to master class, it will be because I earned the punches in double A, you know, whether or not I need to be a master class is, is another question or whether there needs to be a, another class between double A and master. Um, and that's been addressed throughout the years, I think over and over. Um, and the bottom line for me is I just try to keep everything in perspective and it's, I realize that it's a hobby and honestly it doesn't change my paycheck one iota if I'm in double A or if I'm in master. <laughs> right. Okay. Right. So, so it, it just, it is what it is. And, and I, I enjoy being competitive. You know, I mean, there's, I, I have some pink beat by girl pins, you know, that I like to hand out every now and then you know, <laughs> all in fun, all in fun. But the truth of the matter is that at the end of the day, it doesn't change who I am or de determine whether or not I'll be successful in this life. Right. Now that makes perfect sense. Um, you know, Sean, you and I had had discussions about it when it first happened and, you know, there is the option of not taking the down class. Um, we've, you know, we've seen a lot of people do it. They stay in masters. They want to be in masters, which to me, I, I just for myself personally, I don't understand. If I can't go and have a chance at winning, then I lose interest in going. But for you, you know, again, we've discussed the everything going on in the personal life. And I know you had had, had a conversation with even 
Chad Roberts about that on some direction. Can you share a little bit of that conversation with Chad and, and what those thoughts were? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I, I talk to Chad when I have questions of this magnitude because I respect him. He's been around the block many, many times. And you know, obviously Chad has stayed in master class and he was actually one of the big cheerleaders for me about staying in master class this year. I felt like he was kind of trying to make me believe that I deserve to be there. He brought up the you know, me winning the five stand at the Indiana state shoot as a prime example. And, and, and honestly, that's a, that's a hell of a compliment coming from him being who he is and how much he shoots and how much he competes. Um, but you know, at the same time, I was trying to be realistic myself. Um, obviously had some doubts about how much time and commitment I was going to have, um, this year with, again, all my personal stuff. But at the same time, um, I took the ego out of the equation. So I didn't let that be a factor for staying. And I know a lot of people, like I've said before, they get to master class and they're proud to be a master class. They don't want to be bumped out no matter how bad they shoot or no matter how bad or how little they're effective against the rest of their class. So I took all that out of the equation and the way I looked at it ultimately was, you know, I really enjoyed chasing punches. Even though that's not really what you're supposed to do, but I like to have something to chase. I, I think it makes me a more competitive shooter, makes me a more effective shooter, makes me want to strive to be better. So in that regard, I'm hoping that moving back to double A this year gives me a reason like, okay, I want to get back up, up to masters. I'm going to earn it again. I'll deserve it again, but I want that carrot to chase so to speak to keep me motivated to keep getting better and shoot better right well um paul you had made the uh the comment a little bit ago leaning towards the mindset you felt like you did better you, you know you had a better mindset in double a so when you first got moved down i mean you just got moves down um i'm sure that somewhat had to have a feeling of defeat i mean or was it like okay now i just got the reset button what was it what was the mindset uh it was definitely a a let down i felt like i let myself down to not be able to you know stay at that level um but like i said once i got back in double a then it was like it built a fire in me again to because just like sean said there's, there's something to chase, you yeah. know, you're, you're looking at, I can beat them. You look at who you're shooting against. I can beat them. And you go in there and you shoot well, you know, you look at the, once you get the master class, it's a whole nother group of people. And you look at them and you go, well, you know, if with the group that I'm shooting and if I come in the middle of the pack, I, I accomplished a pretty, I had a good day. Um, or, you know, it's just, like I said, for me, it's a different mindset. And I know I've talked to different people about it that, you know, why is that, you know, is it just the, you have a, a there's a goal at the end of the day that I can get in master class. you know, it's really tough to get that goal, to get yeah. that top to, you know, so I, yeah, it's definitely a mindset for me. I, I, like I said, I'll say it again at, I feel that I work harder in double a and I don't know, maybe that's where I belong. <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, Miss Melanie, what about you? I mean, I know the back and forth has probably changed your strategy a little bit for tournaments and, you know, if you take it more serious or less serious, but when it very first happened, the very first time that you got bumped from masters down to double a, was it almost a feeling of defeat or did it really light a fire in you or what was it the very first time? Do you remember? 
Oh, oh no, I don't, I don't think I've ever felt defeated. Um, you know, and like I said, I try to keep it in perspective. I, I would, I would agree with Paul. I think it does kind of light a fire under you and, 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 you know, I, I mean, I know I'm competitive in double A on any given day. So I'm going to go out there and do my dead level best, you know, and it, it may push me even that much harder um, to do it. I, I've just never felt like I was a competitive master class shooter. And it so I mean, and quite honestly, I think the last two years I, I asked for a thousand target review to be downclassed. Really? <laughs> because. I, I know the goal in this game for everybody is to get to master class and to be competitive. And I thoroughly enjoyed the ride in getting there. It's just, you know, after a while on uh, at the first time, I would say maybe not so much, um, you know, in recent history, but maybe the first time it did kind of wear me out a little bit because uh, like I said, I've been fortunate enough to shoot with, Malcolm and Randy Ryan and Mike Benton and Alex Sumner and, and some of the best shooters, you know, in the Southeastern United States. And, you know, I, I mean, I, I knowing in my head that I was, I would never be competitive against them, you know? Right. And, and it's not simply because I, because I never could be, it's just, I could never put the work in to do it. Right. You know, I, I mean, a, a lot of the people that I think you see climb through the classes, um, and particularly the younger kids, even they're getting younger and younger, getting into master class, is because they shoot on youth shooting teams. So they have coaching three or four days a week, or they take professional lessons with coaching, you know, with coaches three or four days a week. And for the most of us, for, you know, that's just not possible. And, right and um and i think that's the difference in going through the classes you know on a fast track these days is that you have more people that have access to basically shooting all they want to and and taking lessons you know all the time right and i i just personally for me i, I know on my skill level that i can double a on any given day because of the work that I've done in the past or because of the experience that I have now in order for me to move on up into master class or feel comfortable in getting there and staying there, I'd have to put a whole lot more work into it. And unfortunately for me, I just don't have that time or those resources. Right now. I, I totally understand it. And you know, a lot of the guys at the top don't are not, are going to listen to this and not understand this. They're not going to get it. I mean, you take a guy like David that as soon as he put his first popsicle down, he was in master class. Okay. I mean, the, the guy doesn't know anything but to be at the top. But to. But how did David get there? Yeah, exactly. I mean, he he probably burned more shotgun shells than the four of us combined will ever burn. I mean. And he lived in Wendell's hip pocket. Right. Exactly. Time. Right. So. You know, and I'm not saying, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. No. It's just his resources are different than mine. Absolutely. And, and his resources are different than, than a lot of people, you know, and, and I'm talking about every day when I say working class shooters, I'm talking about, you know, you have a job, Sean has a job, Paul has a job, I have a job. You know, that, that we, we shoot like crazy Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, and then we drive all night to get home to work. 
you know? Right. Yep. Monday. So, so, so the demographics are different for us. Absolutely. No, I mean, that's the biggest thing is you take the four of us, you know, money's one aspect of it, but time, time is the, is the thing. And, and, you know, you, you take a, some of these younger kids that jumped right into master, they didn't have all the time commitments that we do. So the only thing they had time to do was shoot. <laughs> you can learn a lot when you spend eight hours a day at the range. Um, but, and now I will say that those kids have discipline, you know, oh, absolutely. Obviously, obviously they're disciplined enough to put in the time and, and, and want to put in the time and the extra effort and everything, but they don't have a nine to five to go to or an eight to five or whatever. Right. No. And you know, and I'm not complaining about anybody that's, you know, like David or any of the kids that are going right up that, you know what? That's awesome. I love seeing it. I'm just saying too. for, I, I love seeing parents pour into their kids, especially in these days and times. Yes, absolutely. I a hundred percent agree. I'm just, my point was for those of us midlife that are in this debacle of this back and forth, it's, it's hard for us to say, yeah, I want to be at the top of this game. It's really, it's unrealistic. Um, so with that being said, and, and Paul, I'd like to start with you. This is a very big debacle in this sport. You know, how do we fix masterclass and everybody has their opinions, but as someone that's been back and forth, what do you think the solution is? Well, something I've thought about for a long time and I know it'll get this will it'll raise some eyebrows or, you know, make some people's face turn red when I tell you this, but I almost think that we need to, an average system. And I understand we're not a game of perfect like trap or skeet, but in our game, HOA is a perfect game is a perfect score for that day. So in our game, HOA of that day or that tournament is a hundred, that would be a hundred percent. So if you looked at that, like HOA is a hundred percent today and you factored everybody else below that with that factor, it's not that complicated. It would take the difficulty level out because if you had an HOA of a tournament that was an 88 and the next day they went to a tournament and the HOA was a 98, that top shooter, whoever that is, would that would be 100%. So it would take the, the difficulty level out so you wouldn't have people just going and shooting um, cream puff targets or whatever you want to call them. And not shooting tougher targets. You could shoot, no matter the difficulty level, the average would be the same. If right. that does that make any sense to you? Yeah, no, it Absolutely. does. What uh, what what's your thoughts, Sean? I mean, do you uh, you know we've discussed it quite a few times on this show, but now that it's happened to you, I'm sure you've had time to think about it or, or dwell on it a little bit. What do you think a uh, an ultimate solution would be, or maybe a step in the right direction? Well, I think for a solution, um, I like Paul's idea, and I've always thought that there could have been some way, he said, to average the actual score. Because, you know, obviously, if you went at the Jack Links, it means more than if you went at the local Yokel tournament that, at your local shooting club. I mean, it, and it should mean more. I mean, there should be some weight to that, you know, other than just the punches that are awarded. Um, but again, if it, if it took a 94 win at the local club and the winning score at a big tournament was 90 um i mean i would also argue that the weight of the tournament should carry some 
something to do with it too. Although I'm not sure how you institute that because well, again, the, the average that Paul's mentioning, I, I like that idea, but I think there's also maybe something that needs to be done. If you win at a national regional or a big blast shoot like the Jack links, you know, that also should carry some weight more so than, you know, the same score or average at a local tournament where there was only 20 competitors and you had to shoot against 200. What about you, Miss Melanie? Do you feel that, I mean, I know you mentioned percentage earlier. Do you think maybe that's where it should go towards? Well, I do. And, and speaking along the same lines that Paul's speaking, if you look at the Team USA points, let's say Malcolm wins a regional in Supervet. So in in that category, he gets, I don't know whether it's like 1.000, like one point, you know, and then whoever is below him gets 0.92375 or whatever it is, however they factor that in. So they do some of that in some places, you know, right. um, uh, but usually it's it's in the Team USA points. Um, I just I, I just really think it needs to be done by average, you know, and because I don't care if you shoot twenty five thousand registered targets a year, your average might be sixty two, you know. Right, right. <laughs> so I I just think that if you did it by average, if you set the if you set the classes by average then you would come closer to being more competitive in that class if you understand what i'm saying because or either have an elite class or a pro pro class or a triple a class or something you know i think there needs to be i think there's a lot of disparity between double a and master yes so i think there needs to be something in the middle there if you look at like e through double a and you look at the average scores at a tournament, keep looking at them. Like, don't just look at one tournament, but look right. at several different tournaments. E through double A, it seems like the scores kind of fall in line. Yeah, you're going to get somebody that showed up that day that lit it up. I get that. Um, yeah. I mean, I've seen scores in D class that could have competed in double A. Um, but what I'm saying is, is that progression from E to double A seems to fall in line pretty well. But the gap between the top of Masters, especially at a big shoot, that gap from the top of Masters to the top two or three in AA is huge. It's big. And so the guy that, I don't know, pick a tournament, you know, John Smith that just won the Northeast Regional in AA won it with a, you know, 182. 82, right. right. And then And then you take... Zach Keenbaum, who ran a 98 on one day and then a 99 on the next day. Now, you tell me how he's going to go and compete with that guy. It ain't going to happen. I think, and and look, I got a lot of good ideas. The trouble is most of them suck. You know, maybe a AAA class should be in between there. Maybe that's where that would bridge that gap. Uh, Instead of just punches, maybe increase the punches and do a percentage, you know, um, make that triple A class where it's really tough to get out of it. You know, like you, you know, I don't know, throw some ridiculous amount of punches in there with a high percentage ratio in order to compete and in, in master. I don't know well, what the Jason, solution is, but I know one thing. If, if we don't try something, we're going to continue to get people that drop out of this sport. 
there's a lot of people that make it to master. They get thrown back and forth like y'all have. And then they go, you know what? This is Looney Tunes. And then they don't travel anymore. They don't go to any big shoots anymore. They don't, you know what I mean? They, yeah, they, they lose but, interest. But listen, I, I get that. But what is their goal? You know, I mean. Well, that's just honestly, it. It depends on your goal. What is their goal? What are they doing to get there? Right. You know, I mean, if you want to, if you want to be in the top 10 at the nationals or at the Southeast regional, you better go. That's all I got to say. You know, you Rick Hemingway said something on his podcast the other day that I was listening to about how shooters, particularly in the Southeast or Texas rise to the occasion. And I think it's because of the level of difficulty on the targets that, that we set down here. And, you, you know, so these people really work, work, work to get to the top. And if your goal is to get the master class and, and you got there, yay for you. But if is your goal to be in the top 10 everywhere you go? Well, what is your level expectation? What are you going to do to get there? Or do you really just need to change your perspective and say, I did it and I'm having fun at a hobby and I'm learning something new all the time when I go or I'm going to throw my sucker down in the dirt and quick Right. for that masterclass shooter. Are you keeping it in perspective? Are you, if you want to be in the top 10 everywhere you go, are you putting in the work? Are you going, you know, are you, are you able to go practice? Are you able to take a lesson? Are you able to do what you need to do to get to the very top of the class? That's what I'm yeah. saying, you know, yeah. and I'm just saying we're fortunate down here simply because of the number of tournaments and the level of difficulty, you know, and so people have a tendency to maybe learn faster down here. I don't know because, because of our shooting season and, and all of that, I'm not, I'm not saying that people don't throw difficult targets all, all over the United States. Cause I'm sure that you do, but I'm just saying for that masterclass shooter, if you're, if you're, willing to quit because you're not moving forward what are you willing to do is right. what, all i'm saying yeah no that makes total sense um what are some words of advice you can give someone um, that is in the position of being downclassed for the first time well i think you have to be realistic with yourself and like melanie said what's your goal where, where are you going with this if you're out there and have just to have fun and you shoot well and you move up, you know, just go out and have fun. Um, if you're, I think some people put more pressure on themselves than they need to. They think that just because they got in master class now that they can compete at that level. Well, there's a lot of people that just because they're in master class doesn't necessarily mean they're a master class shooter. All um, right. I'll use myself as an example. I got master class because of the way the system is not because of, I'm an outstanding shooter. It's because I went to enough tournaments and gathered enough punches and I got in the master class. The yeah. argument can be said, you know, do I belong there? I'm, I, I don't know that I belong there, but I got there because of the way the system is structured. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, no, that makes sense. What about you, Miss Mel? Do you have any words of advice for anybody that go, that's going through this for the first time? Well, you you know my favorite saying in this whole thing is keep it in perspective and 
if you've got notification that you're being downclassed, there's a reason for that. And I would, I would say, turn it down. If that's, if that's not what you want to do, if you want to stay in master class, whatever you, you have the option to, to turn it down or take it and work harder. I, I just, for, for anybody who's, for anybody who's getting a down class, let me say this. It does not determine who you are. I mean, you are you are no less a person because you're in double A or A or C or B or E or whatever. That's right. You know, just go out and be the best person that you can be on and off the course. You know, in in my case, I try to be a good representative of my brand. That's that's what I try to do. And at one point, um, somebody with Kohler told me, I don't care if you ever win again. I want you shooting my product. OK, and and that that means more to me than that masterclass badge. Absolutely. OK, so I'm at the end of the day, if Melanie Parker is a double A shooter or an E class shooter, it doesn't change who I am. Not one bit. That's awesome. And, I love it. and if I and if I want to change who Melanie Parker is in a class, then I better get out there and work for it. Wow, Miss Melanie, I think you just laid the smackdown on us. I don't think we've ever we've ever had anybody put it like that's awesome. I, I love it. I absolutely love your answer. Um so, Sean, sorry, buddy. You don't get to answer here. <laughs> you've had well I, you'll have plenty I, I, of chances every week. <laughs> no, no, well, absolutely no. I don't wanna I don't wanna have to answer that uh because obviously I don't have enough experience this year to get that. But I will say this, like Paul I think Paul said it best we all wound up doing what we're doing because of how the system is, 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 uh, situated. You know, you get to master class because you are in so many punches. I'm not trying to be a world champion or a national champion or anything like that. My time's passed. And I don't think I could ever get there if I wanted to at this point in my life. But with that said, I have a lot of fun going out, breaking targets and meeting all the people and talking to people. And that's why I do it. So at the end of the day, like Melanie said, it's not, what class I'm in, it's it, it doesn't define who I am. It's just I like to go shooting. And that's exactly what it's about. That's right. And the coolest you know, part of this whole it, – go ahead, Miss Moni. Yeah, you know, I was just going to say I, I, uh, I'm not feeling well today, and I'm at home, been watching golf. So on the PGA, if a tour player loses his card and he goes back to the Corn Ferry Tour, what does he do? He works hard to get his PGA card. And in NASCAR, if a guy doesn't win and he doesn't get enough points, and they bump him back down to the whatever it's called now, I don't the, I don't even know what the the lower series is. It used to be Bush Series. I don't know what it is now. He works really hard to get back to the um, NASCAR side. So, I mean, it's all relative. And at the end of the day, if you if you get that notice in the mail that says you're going back to Double A, then you just work harder to get back to Master. And I mean. That's just how it is. And do I think there needs to be a class between double A and master? Absolutely. I really do. That's my honest opinion, but there's not. And it's been revisited, you know, years and years and years. And at the end of the day, guys, just don't take it so serious because like Sean said, it does not define who we are. There are a ton of great people in this sport. And I can imagine that all of them have touched their life in one way or another, uh, as well as they have mine. And I just, you know, I'm, I'm thankful to be part of such a group. 
And um, th- th- do we have problems? Yes. But that's that's an everything, every sport, everything. Yes. So, so don't overthink it. Well, you know, the coolest thing about this conversation, there are four Kohler shooters on the phone right now. no team colors that's right that's right i love it um hey miss melanie before we get off here just a real quick plug for you you have a food trailer now how cool is that (laughs) well let me tell you my first big event was this um past weekend at the seminole cup and that's probably why i'm a little sick because (laughs) They worked me to death, and I'm not complaining because I was so thrilled with the fact that everybody was so welcoming and that they supported me. I had a great weekend. The unfortunate thing was, was every day I was out of food by one o'clock. Oh, my goodness. And I did have a couple people that were upset, but for all of those who are listening out there in Radio Land, I'm in a 16-foot truck with one refrigerator a small freezer and a, a smaller prep table. So I can only hold so much cold food. <laughs> yeah. And, and I did the best I could do with what I had. And we had a great weekend, like I said. And, and, um, and another thing is, is that I prepare fresh food. I don't buy frozen hamburgers. The only thing frozen in the truck is French fries. And so, you know, we make salad dressing, we make chicken salad every day. We hand pack hamburgers every day. And a lot of times breakfast was so busy, we'd get behind preparing for lunch. But um, every day, like I said, we were out of food by one o'clock. And that's the bad thing about it. And we're Malcolm and I are trying to figure out now how to fix that problem, whether it be put a freezer in the back of the truck or under the motorhome or something. But anyway, we're, we're addressing that problem. And, and I just can't thank everybody enough for supporting me. And um, I've had tons of messages and text messages and everything and so thank you for bringing that up um jason and sean we really had a good time and and my next event will be either the florida state shoot or the or the gamil cup one of the two well miss Mally, don't don't say that like it's a bad thing i mean if you're running out of food by by noon or one o'clock that means your food's good yes well it is that is a big compliment it is to a certain extent but see and as a shooter i try to I mean, I knew the 8.30 rotation was going out, so we had breakfast ready every morning by 7.30 so you could grab and go with it. And then I knew by 10.30 I needed to be ready for the 8.30 rotation to come off or or before the 11.30 rotation went out. And so we tried to, you know, time all of that so you didn't have to wait. And there was a time or two when I just said, hey, you you can't take any more orders. I got to get called up to see even if I have what we got orders for so but um it was it was great and um we we had a great weekend words okay so what are you the rest of the events that you're going to do for the year do you know i'm doing um the florida state shoot april the 20th and then the next weekend i'll do the gamil cup at cherokee rose and then the next weekend i'll do the trident cup uh which is also a a american fetus grand prix i think at the meadows and then I think the next one would be the Southeast Regional, which is at Big Red Oak. And then we'll do the Georgia State Shoot. And I'll do the, uh, which is back at the Meadows. And then I'll do the National Wild Turkey Federation Shoot in, in August, which is also back at the Meadows. Um, Georgia is fortunate to have several large shoots this year. 
and and so I'll be doing those. I I won't be dragging it all over all over creation. I plan on shooting the South Central Regional, North Central Regional, Northeast Regional, and the Nationals this year. So um, I'm just going to keep it, well, I say local, within three hours of the house here. Gotcha. Well, there's one thing that I am masterclass at, and that's eating food. And I can tell you right now, <laughs> this this girl right here, she give Guy Fieri a run for his money. And Guy, I know you're listening to this, so I'm going to tell you right now, you need to get a hold of this girl. But anyway, uh, Miss Melanie, thank you very much. Paul Prockett, thank you very much, sir. We, we appreciate your input 100%, and we found it very valuable to have both of you on, not not just because you've been back and forth a few times, but because of the great people you are and the good shooters you are. And we knew that your input on this topic would be, you know, heavily appreciated. So thank you both tremendously. We appreciate it. Thank you. Well, thank for you. I also want to, I also want to throw this out there. Thank you both. Uh, both of you were part of the, the slew of people that messaged me privately about Stephanie's surgery. So, I mean, again, hats off to both of you. Thank you for the prayers and the, and the good thoughts. Again, two fine people there, and, and two of the best reasons that I should just support hang out with the people that I do. So thank, well, thank you, guys. You. Yep, yep. Thank You're you. welcome. Awesome. Well, um, we're going to run. Miss Melanie, again, thank you. Paul, thank you very much. Uh, appreciate it, and I know we'll be talking soon. Yeah, thanks, guys. Yeah, have a good night. All right. See you. Well, Sean, you know, it's it's a conversation that's it's basically full of opinion. Uh, but we got opinion from two people that were pretty well experienced in this subject. Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, it, it, it's, it's, it happens in other classes as well. I know we're focusing specifically on master class and double A, but I think that's the one that I think is most hotly contested. I mean, anybody can be down class for any reason. Um, if you don't shoot the minimum amount of uh, targets or punches and you don't keep your average where it's supposed to be, um, then obviously anybody can be down class, just like anybody can be up class. Like Mr. Paul said, it's, it's a matter of the way the system works. So, you know, again, for me, it wasn't a thing about ego. It was a thing about that's just what they required. And I just fell slightly short. So it is what it is, you know? Right. Right. You know, and I, and I don't, I hope none of this episode takes people back from competing, Sean, you know, I mean, yeah, there's a flaw in our system, but, I don't think that should stop anybody from going out and doing your best, having some fun with your friends, making new friends and enjoying your shooting your shotgun, you know? No, I think Miss Melanie made the best point of all, you know, 90% of us that are doing the sport do it as a hobby. It's not that we want to be national champion or world champion, although we may dream that that would happen to us one day, but you know, as working people, we go out there and this is, this is our way to blow off steam, have fun and, you know, go out there and compete a little bit and feel the competition. So you got to keep it in perspective. Again, for me, I, I took ego out of the equation. I didn't let myself get trapped by the, well, I'm a master class shooter, so I should always be a master class shooter. Once I made it here, I'm stuck right. here forever. I just thought it was a little more honest of myself to say, you know what? If you deserve it, you'll get there again. And if you don't, well, then you'll stand out of the way. So well, I'm good with that either way. Yeah. And that was part of what I said about Miss Melanie laying the smackdown. I mean, we we tend to get too wrapped up into this sometimes and i think what she said was very well said is it was kind of a wake-up call for everybody you know i mean we we do this for fun this is a hobby i mean it's a recreational sport i mean yeah i know there's people at the top that take it very serious and and that's good that's awesome that's good for the sport but at the same time 98 percent of the people that compete in this game do not do it for a living 
you know, right. there's very few people that are making their car payment off of winning tournaments. Yeah, so, absolutely. Um, yeah, you know, I think I think what she said was well said. So yep. And like you said, not to not to drag this on, but like you said, the way the system or the way Ben Husswaite said it, the way the system's rigged, everybody's going to wind up a master class, and that's the reality. If you shoot enough and you obtain enough punches, you're going to get there. You don't even have to be a what I would call an elite shooter to do it. I mean, look at me. Um, you just have to compete enough and get enough punches and be good enough to get those punches to get there. And then eventually everybody gets there. And right. I think that's why you see Masterclass being the largest class when you go to an event like the Nationals or a regional. It's always a larger class than all the other classes combined because that's where you go. That's where you end up. Right. Yep. Yeah, you're absolutely right. But, you know, I, like I said, I think it's kind of cool. Everybody that was on the phone was a Kohler shooter. So yeah, I, I didn't realize that. I, I forgot that Paul had a Kohler as well. Yeah. So big shout out, uh, Elite Shotguns. And by the way, Sean, I don't know if you've been on their website here lately, but they got some new ones in. Oh boy, are they pretty. But if you can't afford a Kohler, by God, they got. You know, I was just looking. They have an A four hundred twenty eight gauge on there the other day. I was like, yeah, I ought to get that for my daughter. My wife won't kill me in the process. Yeah, but, yeah, I know you've been looking at one of those. Yeah, but they got man, they got a ton of cool guns on there. You got to get on there. Get on EliteShotguns.com. Um, thank you very much to Fioki. Uh, I know we just had a Fioki podcast here a couple weeks back. Uh, one of the things that we did not mention was the new president and uh, Sean and I have been talking and we're going to get that man on here shortly. Yep. Absolutely. Looking forward to that. Yes. And speaking of the Parkers, boy, Mr. Malcolm sure did look good in that new bear pelt, didn't he, Sean? Yes, he did. Yeah. Like I, I had to do a double take there for a minute. Yeah. I mean, well, you know, we've seen him in the other vest for so long and now he's got him a new bear pelt and he sure does look sharp, doesn't he? Yeah, I mean, and he said to us, he goes, man, this thing is so comfortable. <laughs> it is. It's so comfortable. But, uh, and Odo Pro Technology, Sean, they're keeping our ears in check. Uh, Absolutely. I know somebody that's about to get brand new Rhino barrel porting and chokes. Yeah, that's definitely on the to-do list when I get my Kohler. So we'll have to get that done and sent to those guys so they can take care of it. And um, I wouldn't have a, an unported gun at this point in my career moving forward. So this one's going to get it as well. Nice. Are you going to get you some of those elite series chokes or you, you know, it? I'll be placing the order as soon as I get the gun. So well, we need, you know what? We need to harass them boys. They were going to make us some dead pair of sleeves for chokes. We need to get them on that. I think yeah, would that cool. would be awesome, man. I said, just put a little dead pair of skull on those. I think <laughs> <laughs> we need to get on that. Of course, as always, Sean Alley, you're seeing the targets clearly over top that Kohler barrel with your RE Ranger reacts, aren't you? Absolutely. I think they're the best lenses out there, period. Yep. Atlas Traps, thank you very much. Of course, Negrini Cases. Sean, you're going to have to get you another case for your gun, my friend. I think actually. Yeah, I know. It's probably going to be. I don't know. I'll have to see if it fits. I, I th- I, I'll check it out, though. Well, no. I was going to say, I think it comes with a Negrini case. I think it comes with oh. a Kohler Negrini case. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, wait, what, am I, what am I talking about? You're still shooting a demo gun, right? So you don't have the new one yet. No. So, nope. Okay. All right. Cool. And then, well, you know, you're going to be busting some white fire targets, aren't you? Always. That's what's out there. That's what you shoot. Yeah. And the, I know with everything going on in your life right now, I know a certain lady that's helping you get through all this, isn't she? Oh yeah. Definitely. The Dawn Grant and her mental training that I've actually been working hard on that the last couple of weeks. I'd take a break this week, but uh, I'm going to get right back into it here. And I know that will help me get my noodle straightened out. 
I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to get caught up on my lessons. If you've been working hard on it, I better get caught up on my lessons. You're gonna start beating me, and I can't allow that. (laughs) So, um, thank you very much to Casey Chase, the Score Chaser. Looking forward to hearing from her soon on that Jack Links tournament for 2024 coming out, and of course, Vero Beach clay shooting. Man, I wish I was down there right now, Sean. Yeah, well, I'm looking forward to next year. We'll be definitely going to that Caribbean Cup. So, looking forward to that Caribbean Classic. Come oh, on. Caribbean Classic. I'm sorry, not the club. Get your man. Come on. What's wrong with you? <laughs> I don't have my notes in front of me. I apologize. <laughs> See what happens when he's out of studio. I'm all I discombobulated. Know. He's all out of sorts. You know. Bear with us, folks. Yeah, that's all right. We push through. We'll get her done one way or the other. That's right. But hey, Sean, listen. What do we tell everybody every week? Well, take somebody shooting, get it, get out there and put a gun in their hand, show them how much fun we have in this sport, uh, put a smile on their face, maybe get somebody that you shoot with into a registered tournament uh, or go to a charity shoot. I mean, there's so many options to take people out and get them hooked on the sport. It, it sells itself, and uh, you know, that's a good thing. Absolutely, and I'm super glad that things are going good for you all and looking forward to seeing you back here next week, Mr. Alley. Yep, we'll see you all back here on the Dead Pair Podcast. We'll see you next time on the Dead Pair Podcast. The Dead Pair. The Dead Pair Podcast is brought to you by Elite Shotguns and Vero Beach Clay Shooting and is fueled by Fioki USA. The Dead Pair theme song was written, arranged, and produced by Toby Tomplay. Special thanks to the following sponsors. Bear Pelt, Negrini, Rhino, Odo Pro, Dawn Grant, Atlas Trap Company, RE Ranger, and White Flyer Targets. 